We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield, Jordan Foote, and Josh Kaiser joining me as always. Gentlemen, how uh, did you guys watch? Uh, I know you watched a lot of the draft, Jordan. Josh, how much did you catch up? Uh, I actually watched quite a bit, or I, I should say I had like a earpiece in walking around doing house chores most of the uh, most of the time, but it was always the KCSN uh, coverage that I was plugged into, so I felt like I watched quite a bit of the first two uh, first two days for sure. I I watched a shit ton of the draft. Um, as anybody knows, uh, I I covered in person on Thursday, which was nice, and yeah, they had us packed in like sardines, shoulder to shoulder. It was a a good time still to get that uh, firsthand. It's always a good time to go out and do stuff like that. But um, Friday hung out with the KCSN crew down at No Other Pop, that No Other Pub, not Pod. Um, I produced No Other Pod today. Go check out No Other Pod on KCSN. Yeah. I, I I recently had them living rent free in my head. I love that show. Um, and then Saturday I was remote, covered from home, so I kind of bounced around a little bit. And I don't know about you guys, or I guess Joel, if you were following like really close, but it was the most like unpredictable, wild draft. It seemed like it so many trains, so many guys like slipping and rising. Like I maybe I just didn't pay close enough attention, but it seemed pretty wild to me. It, it definitely was. It had that that feel where. That for the first about 20 picks, I was like, holy crap, the board is falling perfectly for the Chiefs. And then picks 22 through 29, I was like, oh, no. no and that's not me trying to not dunk on FAU or anything. I think he's a solid player. It was just like, man, there were about three other dudes that I thought maybe we're going to get there to 30, 31 if the, the way the board kept falling. But it is what it is. I think the Chiefs still did a really good job. They, they hit their needs. They took some swings on athletic profiles that they haven't in the past. I, you know, Veach deserves a lot of benefit of the doubt. Jordan, how, what do you think about uh, Stetson Bennett in the fourth round? Um, it's kind of a shame because Les Snead actually cooked for literally that entire draft. I was like, man, I came away feeling pretty happy. The UDFAs are good, but like there's this big stain on the draft that's steady bleeping B. In the fourth round, I'm like, 
he was minus 110 or 105 or 115 or whatever to go undrafted. Like, he was favored to not be picked by a single effing team, and he got picked up in the fourth round. I'm like, I just don't understand it. Um, you can hear more about that on one Arrowhead Drive, I, I think is their, like, little address there at Arrowhead Stadium, but um, that's our football podcast that everyone came here to listen about. <laughs> you know, man, Team 7-22, and 22, I think if we talked for 45 minutes about <laughs> football and, no, and we didn't mention the baseball team at all, I think we'd get the same amount of listens if we're being real. Yeah. But... We are a baseball podcast. We are going to talk about this team. Uh, we can't thank Kansas City Strength and Conditioning enough for sponsoring this show, allowing us to do that day one supporter here at KCSN. If you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train, be sure to check them out. So we had like a whole segment game tying in with the NFL draft kind of set up for this episode. We thought it was going to be kind of a slow news day. They started, Royal started a nine-game homestand, but we weren't sure. Uh, how everything was going to play out. And then a flurry of moves come today. Uh, JJ Piccolo did an interview on 610 with some interesting quotes in there. So we're going to hit all that and everything in between and a few uh, updates on some of the guys that are on rehab assignments. First, uh, Nicky Lopez goes to the injured list. He had an emergency appendectomy, which that thank God he's okay and speedy recovery there. Um, that's, I don't, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Hopefully he's all right. And is able to come back pretty quickly. But Michael Garcia getting his first crack at the big leagues this season in the lineup tonight at third base. A couple other moves uh, that were made. Freddie Fermin comes up uh, in place of Franmil Reyes going down to AAA. I forgot that he had an option left. So a couple of moves. And with that, uh, the move of Freddie Fermin, Macatrero said before the game, they are essentially moving MJ to the outfield full time now. It's going to allow him to just focus on hitting. It's not like he's been awful, but it just it takes a little bit of pressure off of him. Just lets him focus on his approach again, which has been a little out of whack. He's not walking as much as previously, but, you know, I think it ultimately is the right move. Freddie Fermin certainly acquitted himself very well in that first stint in the big leagues before he got sent back down uh, a little bit ago. Guys, well, what are some of your thoughts on on what we saw earlier today with some of the, these roster moves? Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, I, I feel like the vindication should be fully on your side with this Michael Garcia news. Um, you were kind of the one beating the drum to him making the opening day, and I'm sure there was a, there was a metric shit ton of people also saying that news. And here, here I was naysaying it all, saying this is a square square piece in a round hole type of thing. Um, but they did give him plenty of innings down in Omaha at third base, especially recently. It wasn't so much, especially there at the beginning of the year. Um, and then Nick Lofton kind of took a nosedive, a um, little bit of production there. And then they moved Michael Garcia, gave him some innings, kind of saw that the void was coming uh, at third base. I think everyone saw that coming. Just wanted to give Hunter Dozier an honest day's chance to uh, to stay in that lineup. But they could do a whole lot worse than Michael Garcia. Um, yeah. It's not going to be so. So, since he got called up in AAA last year, up to probably three weeks into the season, he had a weird power surge. Um, he was never really known that much for being a power hitter, um, but he was hitting home runs. So, it was hard to kind of uh, naysay that. Um, started to kind of come back down to earth, uh, both with his OPS and his power. I think one of those kind of yeah. goes hand in hand, but the approach is there. 
I mean, there's a 14% walk rate and 19% K rate. The line drive percent is 26%. Uh, kind of balances the spreads it all over the field uh, as far as like pole hitting and happy or oppo hitting. Uh, so the the, abs- the approach is absolutely there. There's a speed element, even though there was like a weird, he's only had four stolen bases in Omaha and three caught stealings. I know one of those was a pickoff, so it was kind of a strange thing, but his game is usually like approach, get on base, see a lot of pitches, play good defense, and run the base as well. So that's kind of what I think his profile always was. And despite that power surge here uh, in the last few months, I think that's what we're going to see in Kansas City when he uh, when he does get playing time. Yeah, no, I'm with that. I don't really have anything to add to what Josh said. Like, I think it's a professional approach. He's going to give them some some speed, some defense, um, the ability to, I think, offer a somewhat high floor, and everyone it's going to point to, oh, his way to run screen plus was 84 in AAA. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's walking 14% of the time. He's going to be fine. I, I think, like, this is a closer to a Vinny Pasquantino type thing where I do believe he's going to be okay. Versus a Nick Prado thing. We're like, man, I, I don't really know. He he could struggle. He could come out of the gates on fire. He's going to be somewhere in between. And I think um, I do have a quote from J.J. Piccolo on Hunter Dozier. That's kind of where I wanted to go with it. Um, he said, and I quote, we've enjoyed having Hunter in our organization and we've seen him do great things that he had a couple more, you know, random sentences. We know that Hunter has responded in the past and he added that Dozier needs to, quote, get going um, and Kansas City's going to keep trotting him out there when the lineup tells them to. So I he praised his versatility. And again, I, I've said on this podcast, just because you have the ability to play multiple positions does not mean you should be playing multiple positions. But um, the Royals are going to keep giving Hunter Dozier some chances. I kind of have read in between the lines. I think that he's on thin ice. I do think there's a very non-zero chance that if he keeps producing poorly, he's going to find himself on the bench and or the waiver wire. Um, no no team's going to trade for him. This is not me trying to like crap on Hunter Dozier. I'm just being honest that mm. there's no market for someone like that right now. Um, but Michael Garcia, good for him. Man, it sucks that uh, personally for Nicky Lopez, this is how it had to happen. And another thing, the Royals are not moving. Bobby Witt Jr. off shortstop. We'll probably talk about that later on when we do like the overarching interview takeaways. Um, but that's what I thought. I immediately jumped to Dozier. I'm like, what's going to happen with him? It seems like for now they have a plan. Long-term, I think, though, um, they also have some sort of plan too. Yeah, I, I hadn't really seen or hadn't noticed until today when I saw Michael got promoted. I went on pulled up fan graphs. So I saw the way to run created plus had really come back down to earth. And there was some of that to be expected. Like he's not a 170 weighted rage <laughs> way to run created plus hitter like he was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about him. You know, I, I knew it was gonna come back down. He hit a little bit of a skid, but like like you, Josh and Jordan said, he's gonna walk, which is something really important for this team. Like there's only a handful of guys that really will in this lineup right now. Like we know Nick Nick Prado will, we know Vinny will. This is a, another guy that that is more willing to. I think Bobby's working on it, but really, you just need somebody else in the lineup that's not going to strike out a ton. They're going to put together a professional at bat, even if it ends up in and out, and he's going to play above average to elite defense. Even yeah. even if he is at quote unquote out of position at third base, it's there is major defensive upside for him. The way that I can describe it, and it there's relation here because he's cousins with Alcides Escobar. That's kind of the player that he is with an actual approach. Mm. Like he's he's actually he's not going to swing at the first pitch every single time without fail. 
It's a solid guy to have at the bottom of the order. And tonight, put together two, at least at the time of recording, two really solid at-bats, and they just happen to be lineouts, such as the 2023 season for the Kansas City <laughs> Royals. He, he came in, plugged into the lineup, and bam, just like everybody else, hitting line drives right at people. Even the new guy can't even shake that juju, man. <laughs> no. 105 off the bat right at my non-console right before we hit record. So such is life of one of the 2023 Royals. But I, I'm excited for what he's going to bring to the lineup. It's just a different different energy, a little more juice, especially on the base paths. And if you can hit him ninth, get him on base for Bobby, Mike Kelsey second, really, I think it, it adds a little more of a, a balance to the lineup in that way yeah. of somebody that can get on base for the top of the order. I'm really curious as to if they do think that they're carrying Hunter Dozier and playing him off the matchups. Michael Garcia is a right-handed batter. And at, at what point is Hunter Dozier's questionable power more valuable than Michael Garcia's questionable power? Like, huh. is it is it Nicky Lopez's IL stint keeping Hunter Dozier on this roster at this point? Um, yeah. I saw... I saw it was either Royals Review or Max Reaper was saying that his sources were talking about the the Hunter Dozier is going to get about 150 plate appearances uh, before they make a decision on that. So that could be something that we kind of start to look at. But I mean, there's going to be a roster crunch at some point. So yeah, uh, the decision they might their hand might be forced whenever Nikki comes off the IL and Michael Garcia might be hitting at that point. Even if he's remotely hitting, it's going to be tough to to send them back down. I mean, JJ's quote very much sounded like the dreaded vote of confidence. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you you know what I mean. If you know, you know. Mm. That, like, it wasn't a re- very resounding thing. And J.J. has talked about being more transactional and, yeah. you know, with him being GM. And this might be the decision that they have to make. And I'm, it's no indictment on Hunter Dozier, the person. Mm. But at this point, it's a 17 weighted runs created plus. In 21 games, he's already halfway to negative one war, which he had last season in 129 games. I mean, it is rolling downhill fast. And well, at this point, you, like, what do you have to lose at this point playing Nicky more often or Mike Kell more often or a Nick Lofton? Like, it, it's kind of the story of the season, but how much worse can it get? I, I um, it's, it's just reaching that point. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I'd lump Samad Taylor, I guess, into that too. Oh, yeah, 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 in yeah. My head. Great, great um, example. They've shown... They're not afraid to send people down that aren't playing well. They optioned for Emil Reyes on Tuesday yeah. when Michael Garcia got sent up. The guy had a 186 batting average of a 37 weighted runs created plus. He was striking out 37% of the time. The team said, hey, we we took a flyer. It's not working. Our investment is sunk. It's a sunk cost. So let's move on from it. And you could argue that the investment in the hundred Dozier is a sunk cost at this point. It was probably a sunk cost last year. It was probably a sunk cost the year before. Like this is a guy that has a extended track record of not always being available, not being a good defensive piece, not being really an average defensive piece, not being an average offensive piece. Like I, I get, I totally get why back when he had his breakout, the team said, okay, well, he's not old yet. You know, he seems like a high floor guy. The baseball character's there. He's a good locker room fit. He fits what the organization represents. Let's give him a contract. And for any other team, it'd just be some random contract. For the Royals, though, it's one of their biggest payroll things because A, they have a bunch of young players that are making peanuts right now. B, they just don't give out big contracts. So I get that it is a lot easier to give up, quote-unquote, maybe Reyes comes back up and, and turns it around to, like, quote-unquote, give up on him 
versus Hunter Dozier, but right now the only thing keeping him in the lineup, one is hope that he will turn it around before that 150 plate appearances, whenever it's going to be, or two, it's the finances. They just don't want to give in to that. Um, again, I kind of read between the lines, and I think that if you pulled JJ aside, it was like, hey, man, like let, let's they went out to dinner and said, hey, let, let's hear about this. It'd be a little bit different than a radio appearance, but I still do think that um, they are hesitant to fully give up on that experiment. I think the last thing they're afraid of is him going to Oakland and leading the major league at home run. Yeah, yeah. Hey, good for Brent Rooker, man. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was horrific for the Royals last year. Yeah. Yeah. Oakland. And, but hey, you know, he's leading the major leagues on somehow a worse baseball team than the Royals. So, yeah. Block assault, I guess. Which, by the way, Oakland's coming to Kansas City this weekend. Whatever, what's worse than a mid-off? Because that's what we're going to have at Coppola Stadium. It's not even a mid-off. It's <laughs> no, point, it's, it's, a... worse than, it's worse than... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you, you're asking, like, how could this get worse? It could be the A's. It could be the A's. Legit. Or the yeah. White... I think the White Sox situation is okay. way worse okay. than... I have had this yeah. take. The Chicago White Sox are more embarrassing than the Kansas City Royals. Hundred. I mean, it's only that close. They are. And, like... What so the name like I half jokingly said it, I think going in our chat prior to this past weekend, and then I watched Luis Robert half jog down. And I went, Oh no, yeah. this is this is not going well. And I feel bad for Pedro Cafal because was, I think the he, first he walked into God, it was just bad. It's yeah. bad. Uh, anyway. What else do we have for roster stuff? Is it Drew Waters and I guess Maybe I think I saw Lesky tweet about Nick uh, Whitgren. Maybe yeah, Nick Whitgren in AAA. He was an, he was another one of the non-roster invitees. They stashed him in Omaha. 0.71 ERA in ten games, thirteen strikeouts, and twelve and two thirds. I know. I think his because he's a veteran and he's over the age of thirty. He's got one of those. He's got like an opt out coming up here pretty soon. I'd be shocked maybe if the Royals try and make a move given so, some of the lack of success that certain guys have had in the bullpen. You maybe just go F it and give Nick Wicker in a shot because it can't get worse. I, I guess that deadline was May 1. So yeah, uh, apparently, and that's what Lesky tweeted. Like, I don't know if they said, hey, dude, like, it's coming. Like, we're going to we're gonna bring you up soon. Or he really just wanted to keep carving up AAA hitters with, with the Royals. I mean, that could be too, but um, I think... And we don't have to talk too long about this. Like he's going absolutely bananas right now, and the Royals bullpen is uh, not going absolutely bananas yeah, right now. Yeah, so um, it's just interesting. I think he he's produced in a somewhat limited sample. Like it's almost thirteen innings at this point. He's a yeah. veteran. There's something there potentially. Yeah, no, there there definitely could be. So that, that is certainly one to follow. One uh, interesting thing: um, the Royals tweeted out. That we'll talk about Daniel Lynch in a minute, but he was going to his rehab assignment in Northwest Arkansas, and Drew Waters was going to Omaha. That tweet was then deleted like an hour and a half later, something like that, and without the Drew Waters piece. Turns out he had uh, some back tightness, some lower back tightness, in his last uh, rehab game there at the in the complex and surprise. So they're giving it a couple of days. He's going to test it back out before he goes to Omaha, possibly this weekend. That, I mean, that that's why obliques are so tough because you, like, you use so much torque in, you know, in your side and in that, that muscle that you start to compensate for it a little bit because you're worried about it going again 
And by doing that, something else could flare up, and that's what happened with his back. So that's that's not ideal. Hopefully yeah. it's just a minor tweak, and like we saw with MJ a few weeks ago or last week, and he's able to come back and, and be just fine. But it is a, a setback, and hopefully it's not a long one. And I think that could be a little bit of why uh, they were so quick to kind of come out with the information about MJ kind of playing in the outfield. Yeah for the foreseeable future just because they want to make, to make sure like this will we, we want you to focus on the plate right now drew waters is is you know had a setback or he's going to deal with some more stuff so you just focus on what you're doing at the plate night now don't worry about roster crunches or what's going to happen with your playing time whenever when everybody's up to full healthy don't worry about any of that so that's kind of where i was kind of wondering about that too and that could also mean we could see michael garcia in the outfield a little bit uh coming up yeah. as well so Good. Um, that would be something to watch, I think, too. Yep. No, I'm with you on that. I think maybe he was uh, cope not not coping. Gosh, he was compensating potentially. <laughs> Drew Waters wasn't coping. Trust me, not coping. Um, yeah, Royals fans on Twitter are coping, but but not Drew Waters yep. right now. Um, he might have been compensating a little bit. Like stuff like that happens. You just take a weird swing. The good news is that it wasn't the oblique thing that like flared back up and the Royals have a bad yeah, that is true. Uh, track record recently. Yep. I think I saw someone tweet like, oh, it's another mod to see situation. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like <laughs> completely unrelated, I think. Might have just been overcompensating a bit. Just a rare thing. Um, the team's going to be smart. They're they're not going to brush anyone back in a season where they're not competing right now. Um, they seem to be softening on their we have to know who belongs on this team by the end of 2023 timeline, which is another topic for another show. But um, it's not anything to worry about right now. Yeah, there's still there's still time. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, we're going to talk about Nick Prado and Brady Singer right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So Nick Prado was brought back up uh, for the Minnesota series. So he's, you know, a little, you know, a handful of games back at uh, at Coffin Stadium. And he's, it seems like he was really working on a new approach uh, in uh, in Omaha over the last couple of weeks after the, the first stint where he was striking out almost half his plate appearances and a lot of called strikes. Really seems like he has made a concerted effort to Look, I know my nickname is Nick. I ain't swinging at that shit, Prado, and I, I get that. <laughs> but I have like with two strikes, got to protect and shoot the ball the other way. And he was working on that. Had the highest line drive percentage of his career, highest opposite field hit percentage of his career. So less pull happy, more hey, you know what? I know that I can hit the ball 500 feet, but I need to just get on base into at times. And he he was able to do that in that Minnesota series. First game back, three hits, couple hits the next day. Uh, I think he had one uh, on Sunday as well. So, like, he, yep. we're starting to see it come together. And all of his hits are up the middle. He's got one dead pole single, but the rest is up the middle or the other way. I know it's not all coming together, but this is a really good sign of a hitter becoming more refined in his approach and his ability to hit the ball to all fields. We know he has good play discipline. We know he's going to strike out sometimes, or most of the time, let's just be honest. Mm. But... He's willing to work a walk, which is really good for this lineup. And now he's willing to just shorten up and hit the ball the other way and not sell out for power. It's a good sign. It's something that may take more time, but the early returns are really good that he was willing to go down and learn and not just be stuck in his ways and keep trying to dead pull everything and just watch every close pitch with two strikes because he thinks he knows the zone so well. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you kind of mentioned it earlier about uh, Garcia, but Prado brings more balance to this lineup. You've got happy hitters that love to swing free and easy as many times as they can in the Bobby Wood Juniors and the Salvador Perez's, and even when Vinny goes hunting. You don't see a lot of guys in this Royals lineup get far and deep, deep into counts, and I think that's exactly what Garcia and Prado provide on this team. Um, so I think that that is not, you know, that is like the floor. Uh, of what they can kind of bring as far as value goes to this lineup of this team. Obviously, you have the defense with both those guys. Prado had his first professional uh, major league outfield assist over the weekend as well, which is great. He also made a great sliding catch. Uh, I will say that he was a Saturday game that uh, that Q got ejected. Is that does that sound right? I believe so. Yes. Now uh, there was multiple pitches, both in the Massey one that which, which Quatrero got ejected for, but in the Prado at bats, I knew especially that there was some real shitty calls uh, on that on his plate appearances too. So it's kind of like that thing with Soler back in the day where he wasn't swinging nearly as much when he was. He was swinging out of his shoes, but you could always trust his eye. Like, even when he wasn't swinging, taking strikes, usually they're borderline, and usually he's right. That's how I kind of feel about Prado 
when he goes up there and is taking taking balls. So I, I I dig Prado's approach. I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be on this major league roster, even if he is striking out 40% of the time from here on out. Give him a shot. Let him see more pitches. Uh, take some more pressure off of these guys at the top of the lineup, I think, is is part of it as well by providing that balance and going deep into plate appearance counts. Um, so I, I think that there's only upside to have Prado on this, on this roster and in this lineup as much as you can. So I'm into it. Yeah, and it's the same argument people make for Drew Waters. It's like, well, let's see if he strikes out 40% of the time, but the weight of runs created plus is 100 or better, that's okay because he yep. can draw a walk. He has a good uh, approach at the plate. He's a good athlete. He projects to be a good defender. I know that the metrics for Waters weren't great last year. They didn't love him as much as I thought they would, um, but he's a toolsy kid who can draw a walk. He has patience. He, again, this is not the most important thing, but gets along with his teammates. He's a good clubhouse. Like, yep. In fact, like there's no reason to not have him up mm-hmm. on the team and getting semi-consistent at-bats. I know it's tough because you have Melendez in the outfield full-time now. You have Pasquantino, who's not moving off the of first base because when he DHs, someone else is going to have to DH, and then you move him back to first base. Like It's a weird uh, puzzle right now. If anything, if the Royals do think, like, Nick Prado's a trade piece down the road, like at least audition that. Like there, there are multiple, mm-hmm. multiple reasons. This isn't me campaigning for them to do that. Um, but if they want to see what they have in Nick Prado, the only way to do that is to play him. And he's looking good anytime you can go. I think it was like six for 13 over those three games over the weekend. Um, yeah, I think that's right. 30. So he's still striking out half the time or 40%, whatever it is. It's, it's not a lot of time. He's played not a lot of reps, not a lot of consistent reps. So that's a good showing for him objectively. Even with striking out, I think he drew a walk during that series as well, maybe a couple mm-hmm. of them. So yep. he's playing well. Um, the approach is working. He's going to keep chipping away at it. Um, it's only positive. So I don't have a ton to say about what he's doing because, again, it's something that we just need to see more of. But it is a good start. It is an interesting thing. You talk about the clubhouse and him kind of coming in and knowing these guys. I noticed over the weekend, Vinny Pasquantino had a couple different quotes talking about how we can't leave runners in scoring position or, you know, same old thing, runners in scoring position. We can't yeah. leave them on base. We can't leave runners on third with with less than two outs. Um, so it seems like that there is some absolute frustration with some of the at-bats that are being had. So it would make sense that you bring in a guy that everybody's familiar with and cool with that maybe gets a little bit more of a leash, a little bit more of a grace period, kind of softens those frustrations a little bit potentially. So even if he doesn't have much of a personality, I don't, I don't know him, I've never talked to him, but if even if like at base level his, his floor to bring into that locker room is plate discipline, good defense, and gel with the rest of the roster. And I think that that is at least somewhere to start with this with his permanent spot here on this roster. And self-awareness. But so, that, that's neither neither here nor here, Joel. So, I, don't, I don't have much to add. Thank you guys for stalling for me as I was doing some research for this next topic. So <laughs> live lookups, uh, live lookups, live lookups, a staple on the one one royal way. <laughs> so Brady Singer got absolutely whacked again. Yeah, no, sensing a theme here this season. I mean, the ERA is almost <laughs> nine, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just been a roller coaster. Like he'll have multiple innings where it is lights out, shut down, and then innings mm. where he's just getting absolutely shelled. And it, it just doesn't make sense. And I've tried to find some sort of correlation because we've talked 
ad nauseum for like three years about he has to use the changeup. It has to be a part of this because you can't be sinker slider and be a starter in the big leagues. It's just not the way this works. He talked about finding a grip that was working for him, talked about in spring training, made an emphasis to throw it more. And this is the usage so far this season, game by game. So he has, at this point, uh, looks like six starts. The start against the Blue Jays, the first game where he had five innings, he only threw it once. Now, he had to work in that day. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. For, uh, again, the game against the Giants, where he was pretty solid, one of his better outings of the year, he threw it 13 times out of, uh, I don't see how, no, I pitched count, dang it. Pull up a different tab. And then for 14 against the uh, the A's where he was, or not the A's, the Atlanta Braves where he was just throwing batting practice, uh, threw it five times. For 19 against the Rangers, he threw it seven times. For 25, the game against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, objectively his best start of the year, threw it 11 times. And then he gets whacked again for eight earned by the Minnesota Twins on the 30th. He threw it three times. There is a little bit of a correlation outside outside of that first outing against the Blue Jays where if he's not throwing his changeup, it's not going well. And it feels like we're getting back to that sort of kind of hard-headed thing that we saw in 21 where, you know, I'm just going to throw what I know. I'm going to throw my sinker, I'm going to throw my slider because it's just not working. You know, because, you know, if nothing's working, I'm just going to go back to what I know. I don't know what sort of planning they're doing. Uh, you know, we don't we don't have that sort of insider info to know what scouting reports that Sweeney and Bove and Singer are going over. But there needs to be a hard reset here on how he's going to utilize his pitches. If he's not going to throw a changeup, maybe he's got to work a four seam in there, and, you know, more regularly than just the the hard sinker. I'm not sure what the the fix is here. I just want to see him use it more. He when he throws it, it's a good pitch. Like he has made it, and not just a show me pitch. It is a legitimate out pitch in the big leagues. Not stellar. It's not amazing, but his other two pitches are so good. You throw it there. Give similar to Chris Bubich throwing his slider. It was it gave hitter something else to think about. And right now there it's not. Like he's not throwing it enough. It's 50-50 like it was his first couple of years in the big leagues when you get would get knocked around and refuse to throw the changeup. It has to be a part of his arsenal if he's going to continue to take that next step uh, that we thought that he had, uh, that we thought he, he made last year. So I've got several things on him. Um, the FIP is 508, so that's a little interesting. I thought um, the expected FIP is 395. Since the first start, you take the first start out due to his ERA is almost tense. Like that's been bad. The strikeouts are consistent year over year. The walks are up almost 0.75 per nine innings. The home runs allowed per nine are up almost one per nine innings. The average exit velocity is up over five miles an hour. The barrel rate is up big time. The hard hit rates up big time. The line drive rates up big time. Um, I found the pitch usage year over year mostly consistently just on a percentage basis um the sinker is what i found it wasn't even with the changeup. so um this year 255 batting sorry this was last year 255 batting average um on the sinker this year it's 333 it's just getting pummeled um the slugging percentage 387 the 587 
So I looked into the heat maps from last year versus this year. This year, he's showing like mid away to right-handed hitters, which would be middle to in against lefties. Righties are hitting 462 and slugging 769 on that pitch versus lefties, 243, 549. So I looked back to last year, righties hit 286 against it. And I'm looking at his heat map here. Last year, it was very centralized, and he was utilizing literally every piece of the strike zone he could. This year, he's completely abandoning the down and in to righties or low and away to lefties. It's moving in a little bit, and it's moving right um, away from the arm side. I don't know if that necessarily tells much, um, or the pitch just people have gotten tipped on it a little more this year than they were last year. That was far and away the biggest takeaway I found. Um, People are just absolutely not getting fooled by that pitch very much. It's been objectively poor. This year, this is kind of a theme. The Royals have had a bunch of guys underwhelming fastballs, or you have a Jackson Coar that they can't build a repeatable routine fastball, even though it's hitting 97, 98. This is a problem. They still have a fastball problem. It's translating over to Brady Singer. The sinker is not good. Um, that's just what I found. So the numbers are bad. He's changing the approach, it seems, a little bit. And I don't know exactly how that impacts the results, but... It's hard to not look at that heat map and say maybe he's not locating it correctly this year. Um, There's a lot more white space. There wasn't any last year, so it is just kind of a broken pitch right now. When you add the changeup stuff that Joel brought in, you're like, okay, there's no wondering why um, he hasn't been 2022 Brady Singer. (laughs) He's getting absolutely no whiffs either. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say no whiffs. It's way down. It's like 6% down uh, on whiff pitches. But you guys are both absolutely right. I think, Joel, you're definitely on to something, and this is not something new. Like you said, the changeup has to be there. Um, and I was curious. They kept talking about his new sweeper, um, kind of going along with his new slider grip. So I'm curious as to, I mean, that's he's only thrown it 11 times according to baseball savant. So uh, I don't know how much you can actually count that as an actual pitch as opposed to just like an accident. <laughs> but it would be interesting to be able to to say that he had two sliders, a sinker, and a changeup, that's that's something. That's something you can work with a little bit, keep some guessing a little bit, keep some off balance a little bit more, keeps those heat maps maybe still similar, but at least you're generating weaker contact whenever they are making contact. Right now they're sitting sinker, they're sitting slider down on the way against righties. They know exactly what's coming, seemingly whatever it is coming. Um, so uh, you, you mentioned the XFIP is a little bit, it's pretty similar and still under four. And that doesn't really correlate with his ERA, but he's just getting squared up like it's nobody's business. So something's got to give. I still have, you know, obviously I have uh, faith in him and faith in the staff to be able to accommodate what needs to change. He seems to have an open mind about what needs to change. So I'm into it, but it's just, uh, it's just tough going for him right now. And uh, I think that's just the story of the year, like we keep saying. Yeah, I think so. I, I mentioned. Yeah, I mentioned this on uh, a podcast last year. I can't remember who I did it with, but it was talking about Singer and not necessarily that he needed to throw the changeup, but just he needed to throw a different pitch, something, so add some different element. And I comped it to Alec Manoa a little bit. It's not they're not necessarily the same pitchers, but just follow me. He throws a sinker and a four seam. 
about the same amount of time. One at the top of the zone, one through the barreling in, down, whatever. With a slider that he throws, he throws almost the sinker slider and four seam about the same amount with a changeup at 14%. I'm not saying Brady Singer needs to throw his changeup 15 to 18% of the time. He can throw his changeup 10% of the time and start throwing a four seam, something, just something. Like it, mm-hmm. something at the top of the zone. And he actually, when he does throw a four seam, which I'm assuming is probably a misread by the gun because almost everything is a sinker. But when he actually does throw something in the top of the zone, it has pretty good spin and ride. So I'd be curious if he just went to that, not full-time, but was able to to manipulate it and throw a little, throw something at the top of the zone just to give another element. There has to be some other element to it than just the sinker slider. It's not going to be enough. Like, it's, it simply is not. When he started to turn it on last year was when he was willing to throw the changeup. There, he has to get back to it. It's as simple yeah. as that if he wants to continue to succeed. Couldn't agree yeah. more. I think it needs to happen. Yep. Should we talk about a uh, another Royals young pitcher after we hit a break? Yep. We'll, we'll talk about Daniel Lynch's first uh, rehab start in Northwest Arkansas, and we'll talk about the interview that J.J. Piccolo did on Cody and Gold uh, here in just a minute. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So as we mentioned a little bit ago, uh, Daniel Lynch made his first rehab start in Northwest Arkansas. Two and uh, I think it was two and a third. He struck out six, gave up a couple runs. I think only had one walk. Uh, it was a, a solid start for him. Left too much over the middle of the plate, but that's kind of to be expected. It's his first out and back. But the fact that he was able to get six strikeouts right out the gate, that uh, to me is a pretty good sign that he's gonna gonna get a rolling and get back in the rotation and take the spot of probably Ryan Yarbrough, who was looked like prime Clayton Kershaw there for the first what two innings, and then looked like Ryan Yarbrough the rest of the time. <laughs> and now I'm sure if you look at the score of the game you'll you'll understand but well they're only down three now in the seventh hey Sal salvi's hit salvi's got two ding-dongs that pulled them within three so get get after it boys these are the things that you love to see so i'm excited to see daniel lynch come back i was excited to see what he was going to do prior to the injury uh but now he has a real opportunity to be with chris bubich for the year 
Ryan Yarbrough is not produced. Uh, this this rotation needs an injection of something because the guy that you really thought you were going to be able to rely on this year, Brady Singer, has taken a massive step back. Zach Grinke is 40. Jordan Lyles is Jordan Lyles. Brad Keller is doing okay. Like you, you there there has to be something here. Like we, I just want to see something. Mm-hmm. Got to his uh, pitch count: fifty nine pitches after two and a third. I, I I watched the I watched it today. Um, had it on the background, and I noticed that he was like overthrowing quite a bit. He was missing high on his fastball, especially. But uh, our guy Preston Bart came up. I don't know if you counted it or how he kind of came up with it, but he said he got nine whiffs. I would say that was largely on the slider. Um, and it did come with the one walk and four hits uh, with those two earned. The two earned came from a walk and then a couple outs, and then it was just an absolute murdered baseball to get those two earned runs in the in that game. But, yeah, seemed like a pretty typical rehab start, shoving the command issues, um, but that's pretty typical with those rehab starts. Um, but I don't know. I I just don't know what to do with Daniel Lynch until we kind of see him put it together. I, I I want his spring training, how he was looking in those spring training games, to be real. Um, I absolutely want that to be a thing, and it seems like that's what everybody thought it was going to be. So I just want more of it. No rush. I I mean, I know we don't want to see Yarbrough out there a lot, but uh, at this point it's more important about keeping Daniel Lynch healthy and then getting some reps before it is rushing him back to take Yarbrough's spot in that rotation. So, uh, yeah. It's it's good to see him back out there and rehab and working through some stuff and uh, hopefully we get to see him in Kansas City when it's time. Yeah, that that's the big thing, right? And they're not going to rush him back before he's ready. If he's feeling anything, they're not going to be like, oh, well, you can play. Th-. They're not going to run like Joel Sargent and say you can play through that. You know, tough it out. Mm-hmm. If there's mm-hmm. any, yeah, not great. <laughs> yeah, um, they are going to allow him to come back when he's ready pitch as much as he thinks he can they're gonna have a defined plan for him like you're not gonna see what you wanted to see from daniel lynch until probably july maybe yeah. or i guess eh, actually probably june, june like it's gonna be a few weeks um i forget what month we're in sometimes mm-hmm. but um he is a typical daniel lynch thing it's like oh man he looks really good and then oh man he doesn't look that great like he he's kind of a roller coaster ride of yep. a pitcher within his starts and it was a rehab set it's his first time really back against that level of pitching, or I guess uh, against that level of hitting, sorry, he hit 59 pitches through two and a third. That is the big takeaway. I think the minor takeaways, though there's some good, there's some bad, it's one start, and it's one rehab assignment. Um, He's going to keep working to get his way back, and like Josh said, like Joel said, the opportunity's there. He's just got to take advantage of it, and if he does well, he immediately headlines that rotation the rest of the year, him and Brady Singer. And you're looking like, okay, well, maybe there is a little bit of help. If he is legit and Singer figures some stuff out, the Royals have something to build around. And Daniel Lynch is still very much squarely in that conversation. Just because he was out for a little bit doesn't mean he went anywhere. Yeah, I mean, if you can... I. All the stuff that I said about Chris Bubich before the injury that, hey, yeah. maybe you found a second guy with Brady Singer, maybe we're able to find that with Daniel Lynch later this year. And I, I'll say this, and we we will talk about it more probably next week and spend more time on the minor league side because of, this is a pretty big league heavy show. But what we're seeing in the minor leagues right now, especially in low A and high A, 
there this is kind of the movement that we saw with the hitters back in 21 it feels like we're starting to see the, some of the fruit of the newer philosophy and the new regime coming in uh and succeeding with guys so there is a lot to look forward to with that it's just a little bit further away than we would like to see but some of that foundation is being laid which is a good thing you can go go check out like raising royals and rolls farm report and, and Preston Farr and all the guys covering the minor leagues right now because there's a lot of good things happening on the pitching end uh, over there. Jordan, I'll let you kind of run point on this because you were able to, and Josh, you guys were able to uh, listen to JJ's interview with Cody and Gold on 610 today. Uh, you guys both had threads on it. I was sitting in my office and not able to listen. Uh, but what, what were some of your guys' main takeaways on uh, what you guys heard from JJ uh, during that interview? Yeah, so I think uh, the first and foremost thing, that's not really a huge conversation, but um, they they asked about Michael Garcia coming up, and Piccolo said, like, Bobby Wood Jr. is not moving off a shortstop. Like, Garcia can play wherever, it doesn't matter, like, preferably third base if you're them, but he's not moving. Um, so they believe in his defensive improvements, and he said regardless of what the metrics say, um, the metrics, though, honestly a lot better. Bobby Wood Jr. Miles wide margin there. Yes. Not even <laughs> close. Like negative nine outs above average at short in 2022, plus one at shortstop this year. Coming in, he was at minus four. Then he's at plus two. Going back, he was at minus one. Now he's at plus two. Like he is playing eye test. Shows that he's hitting the consistent defensive benchmarks they need. Um, the metrics are saying he's hitting the consistent defensive benchmarks. The Royals don't need him to be an elite defender. They don't need him to be a gold glove caliber shortstop. They need him to be a silver slugger caliber shortstop who can also hold his own on defense. And he can do that um, with the right tutelage and with the right kind of blossoming into the player he's supposed to be. I've seen a lot of crapping on Bobby Witt Jr. because he hasn't been this like top 10. He hasn't been Julio Rodriguez. And, and like yeah. without Julio Rodriguez, people would feel a lot better about him or like Adley Rutschman or whatever it's going to be. Yes, he hasn't quite lived up to the hype, but like you look peripherally, he's still going to be a really, really good player. Like the baseline is still there. He's still young enough. Um, he's showing enough incremental improvements at the plate. And the field has been great um, compared to what it was last year. He still is kind of a neutral defender, I'd say right now. That will play. <laughs> that is in year mm -hmm. two after a month of baseball. Um, so they believe in that. Um, I think JJ also mentioned like the staff is awesome. His quote was, when you come in the next day, you you don't know what the result was the night before. Um, he said that Q and staff have been awesome. And then uh, he also brought up Roldis Chapman and Vinny Pasquantino. Josh, do you want to take those two? I mean, that was kind of the the ones that kind of jumped out to me. Um, going off of your thread, you're, you're, you, were the, you were the main guy to coming off of that, but Talking about Kansas is going to be active on the trade front, especially the pitchers. He said pitchers, as in other teams, want multiple pitchers on this team. Roldis Chapman is the obvious one. I, I I don't know where the second one is. Maybe it's Barlow. I don't know. I don't know who that second one is. I, I really don't. Um obviously they're not going to trade any of these young guys. And I I mean, maybe Lyles, but he's got another year on his contract, so I don't I don't know what that's going to look like. But he said they're going to be active on the trade front. That is both interesting because every time I hear my team talking about trades, my mind gears start immediately turning. But also the fact that we are in May 2nd, 
and JJ is already talking about selling some pictures. Maybe the Aroldis is like obviously the blatantly obvious one, but the fact that we're already talking about being active on that trade market, that's again, again, distinguishing the difference between him and Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore would have been holding on to his pearls and holding on to this roster as is with no questions asked until July 2nd, something like that. But JJ's talking about a May 2nd. So I, I'm kind of into that. I kind of, it's it's helping me kind of buy him saying more transactional uh, and all this stuff. So um, that was kind of the more interesting thing to me. And then I think the other one about Vinny, about him being the leader of the clubhouse and it's kind of coming into his own. I don't think that's any surprise to any of us. I think all of us kind of know him kind of where he is as a player, who he is as a person. He just immediately exudes confidence. And I think that this last offseason was the uh, the winter of Vinny Pasquantino as far as national media uh, goes. So I think that him being a leader in the clubhouse was was always going to be the case. And the fact that he's into it in a sophomore season is was, was awesome, is awesome. Yeah, I yeah. really like the the quote that JJ had in there, which was Vinny's in a stage where he knows that he belongs in the big in the major leagues and wants to win. He's not overly concerned with how he does as an individual. He wants the team to do well. We he it really feels like he stepped in right away to the big leagues and became that guy in the clubhouse. Really took that over uh, after the trade deadline last year, and then took it full force going into the season. And that's the type of dude that you want uh, leading your team. So results be damned right now. Like I feel good about the leadership in the clubhouse, both on the coaching staff and with the players. And it seems like they're, despite the results, they're they're all in like heading in one direction, which is very difficult to do when you're seven and twenty-two. You could see what's going on with the White Sox right now and be heading in all sorts of different directions. At least everybody is on the same page, understanding the direction we're all heading with the future of the organization. That I can take some solace in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that was a, a good way to situation. Yeah, that's a good way to put a bow on it, Joel. Unless you guys have something else, I I tried to think of more, and I my brain's not. We should probably on the capacity. Probably address the elephant that just happened in the room that Salvi just took Santander's bat off of his glove hand and left the game after hitting two home runs. So you can't can't say anything good about the Royals before something implodes immediately. It's just win. Hopefully Salvi's okay. Oh, and also Nicky Lopez rides home from his parents from Minnesota after having just had an appendectomy. I mean, that's like that's what, 12 hours. I Jeez. I have a hangnail and I don't want to do anything just at, at all. And he rode 12 hours just to be back in Kansas City in time for the game tonight. That's that's huge for Nicky Lopez. I love that guy, even if he uh, hasn't been quite the player that we wanted to be. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts on anything else around the big leagues before we get out of here? I'm good, man. Bryce Harper. Yeah, Bryce is back. Let's go, baby. Yeah. I'm watching. So I'm another Bryce uh, for the yeah. Seattle Mariners, Bryce Miller, uh, mm-hmm. making his big league debut. This is how he has started his professional, uh, through, professional career through two innings. Line out, strikeout, strikeout. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Woo. Who is he? Now it is it, now, now it is the A's, so it's like a glorified double A team, but you know what? Well, he didn't come from double A, so I guess it's the same level of competition there, 
Yeah, same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> he did strike out the greatest hitter of all time, Brent Rooker, so there is that. It's true. That's, that's a good point. I don't want to say Mickey Mouse, but like that's a Mickey Mouse run. There, there's no way that he's actually like that good of a player. No, no, he's on a he's on a heater. Like he always has a little bit yeah. of that in him, but he's on a heater. And like it's like Frank the okay. Tank. Like when he yeah uh, for a bit, and you're like eh, whatever. Randall. Yeah, like Frank Schwindel had that yeah. really good stretch at the end of the, with the Cubs, the end of the season in 21 with the Cubs, and mm-hmm. I think he got DFA'd like six weeks into 22. So yeah. that's just kind of how it goes. Like it is what it is. The Royals. They didn't go well with the Royals. I can't blame them for it's not like he hit three twenty and they let him go in a roster crunch. Like I don't think he hit a buck fifty. So it is what it is. Uh there's more fun baseball to watch. Uh thank you for everybody tuning in and listening to this show every week. Uh we really appreciate it. This season has been tough on all of us, but you know, we're all gonna make it through it together and uh I'll talk to y'all next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.